Let me read the word of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy, say to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves. And raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that this is exactly what you've done in our lives. To form us and call us to yourself, you raised dead bones. And so would you be glorified this morning as the Lord of the resurrection. Amen. So I want us to think for a moment about a scene in John's gospel, right? And for those witnessing and living through it, it was riddled with obscurity and seemingly outrageous behavior, right? There stood a Jewish rabbi in front of a tomb with a man four days dead in it. And he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth. Now, think about that for just a second. In that moment, in that pause, in that tension, before they saw anything, 
what were some of them thinking? Were some of them thinking, oh, okay, you know, like our prophets, they've done weird things. Ezekiel did weird things. He cooked over dung. Isaiah went around, you know, naked for quite a while. We've got John the Baptist in the wilderness eating locusts and honey. Maybe this is just another prophetic act that just symbolizes something future. Maybe he's just symbolizing our future hope. Exactly like Martha said she had hope in. I know he will be raised on the last day. But then out of the shadows, they see a man. And it points exactly to this passage. In fact, it kickstarts the fulfillment of this passage. Because our passage this morning teaches us one thing. God raises the dead. So we know he alone is Lord. In other words, God raises the dead to bring himself more glory, just like he told Martha. He told Martha, you will see the glory of God. And she did. And that is exactly what God tells Ezekiel in verse 13. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O oh my people. Because God alone raises the dead, and he does so, so that we may know he alone is the Lord. This is exactly what Matthew Henry said, to quote him again. He said, note, God's quickening the dead redounds more than anything to his honor. And to the honor of his word, which he has magnified above all his name and will magnify more and more by the punctual accomplishment of every tittle of it. God raises the dead so we know he alone is Lord. So this morning we're going to examine the way in which God raises the dead. I believe these 14 verses spell out three means by which God accomplishes his purpose of raising the dead. First, it is by his own will and understanding. Second, it is by the power of his word. And finally, it is by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So to the first point, God raises the dead by, the, by his own will and understanding. There's, I think there's two important pieces of context here for us to understand in order to really get at the gravity behind what's going on. The first is simply, why bones? What's going on? It, it seems like a rather graphic and odd picture that we're met with, maybe even random. But that is because we see and meet Ezekiel here at the end of his prophetic ministry. However, chapter 1, verse 1, Ezekiel tells us he is among the exiles in Babylon. The people of God had abused their privilege of living in the land amongst God through their rampant idolatry and wickedness. So as God promised, he kicked them out of the land. 
but Ezekiel prophesied in Babylon to that exilic community for years about the judgment they deserved for their sin and wickedness. But it was to no avail because they believed they had an ace in their hand. You see, Jerusalem and the temple were still standing as proof this was just a little slap on the wrist. Hey, this isn't a big deal. All we've got to do is just a little bit of trickle here, and then we're going back. But, however, this was false hope. In chapter 33, verse 21, that all comes crashing down when we read this. In the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me and said, The city has been struck down. And this is why we are met with bones in chapter 37. It is a visual and symbolic representation of their reality before God. Dead. Done. Exiled. Cut off. But it in that state, though, it is exactly in that state God acts on his, on behalf of his own name. When the people believed, all hope was gone. God's covenant promises to Abraham, David, surely must be over now. God does the impossible by raising the dead. Now, getting to that point, we are met with this phrase here in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. What is this? This phrase is different from Ezekiel's typical prophetic formula of the word of the Lord came to me. That is because the hand of the Lord upon Ezekiel is to a degree his experience and visual understanding of the word of the Lord. So we must ask ourselves, what word of the Lord is he now experiencing and visualizing? It seems that there is large agreement that the word came in 36.16, the chapter prior. After pronouncing their judgment for a few verses, listen to what he says he will do with his people. This is out of Chapter 36, verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. 
I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey them. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. You see, this is the great promise that Ezekiel sees. How is this going to unfold? How is this going to take place? What's going to happen? And so out of this beautiful promise of restoration, the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel, and he gets to see what God will do. So it is in the death of exile that God places Ezekiel. Bones, not fresh, very dry, in fact. That is to stay, say their state was helpless. It wasn't that they crossed the point of no return. It was that they crashed the plane already. It was over. But God asks Ezekiel a great and telling question. Can these bones live? Can these bones live, son of man? Ezekiel's response is really the key and what I want us to think about. Oh, Lord God, you know. You see, what Ezekiel says is our first point. God raises the dead by his own will and his own understanding. Ezekiel wasn't being faithless or presumptive here. But he asserts the truth that, God, it's up to you. I don't know. But you know, Lord. Let me make this contextual and applicable to us for a second. How would we respond if God asked the same question about people from our own culture? You know who I'm talking about. Those ones that are just too far gone. How can how can they be redeemed? Would we too easily respond? No. Maybe we wouldn't say it, but do we act in a manner that often indicates that that is what we would say? But the other side of the coin has the same problem. It's just in the other direction. You see, yes, presumes upon God as well. I I do know what you want, God. But we have to admit we don't. We do not know what God will do. And it's up to him. The fault with both sides is that it presumes upon God when salvation is his prerogative. Salvation cannot be earned, expected of, or called forth by man. It is entirely God's business. And this is exactly what we are repeatedly told in Acts chapter 2. The Lord 
added to their number those who were being saved. And in verse six, and in chapter 16 of Lydia, it says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Listen to how the confession addresses this in chapter 10. All those whom God has predestined unto life and those only he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away the heart of stone and giving unto them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills and by his almighty power, determining them to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. Yet so, as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace. God's working salvation is meant to humble us and depend entirely upon him for every soul, just like ours. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. He did it. And he does it again right here. And so our task is to repeat the words of the prophet regarding salvation. Lord, you know Because God raises the dead by his own will and understanding. But thankfully, God does not leave us or Ezekiel in mystery or ambiguity about his plans. God responds to Ezekiel's answer by showing him that he raises the dead by the power of his word. And this is exactly what happens in the next section of our passage in verses 4 to 10. Listen to what he commissions the prophet to speak in verses 4 and 5. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Likewise, in verse 9, he said, then he said to me, prophesy To the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And what happened after God's word went forth? Ezekiel tells us in verses 7 and 10 So I prophesied, and as I was commanded, And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Likewise, verse 10, so I prophesied, and as he commanded me, the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. You see, at the power of God's word, the dead are raised. There was another time 
when God spoke and things happened. I believe it was in the first chapter of our Bible. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and God said. We are supposed to see this event as recreation. Because bringing the dead to life is a creative, supernatural act. Only God is capable. Can't we see now why Jesus is stupefied when he talked with Nicodemus about being born again? I think there is another reason why we are to believe the dead being raised is new creation. Look at verse 8. After Ezekiel's first prophecy, he said, And I looked, behold, there was sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Was this comparable to Ezekiel just hitting a foul ball? Like, hey, you got a piece of it, kid, but, you know, keep your eye on it, reload, and go after it. What happened? Is this why there are two prophecies for the bones to live? From what I read, read, it seemed like the scholarly consensus pointed to Genesis chapter 2 of the creation of man. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. The first creation of man was a two-part process of physical elements and the breath of life. What God shows Ezekiel in verses 4 and 10 is the same two-step process in recreation. Physical elements in the form of sinew, skin, and flesh, and then accompanied by the divine breath of life. Isn't that amazing? God is up to recreation, and it is his will to raise the dead by the power of his word. Beloved, it doesn't get any better than this. This is what God is after since Eden. In the day you eat of the fruit of the tree, you will die. And that wasn't a reset, a problem for our God. He he doesn't have to act new. This was a part of his beautiful and lovely plan. The last thing I want to say on this point is implied from what I just said. And probably doesn't need mentioning here in Reformed circles, but... Because I've seen this believed, know people who believe it, unfortunately. And I've also witnessed it being taught in evangelical circles. I think I need to say it. The command for Ezekiel to prophesy does not transfer power from God's word to the prophet. It remains 
in God's word. The power remains in God's word. I believe this is even why in our passage, Ezekiel records God saying his own words and then quickly comments, I prophesied as he commanded me. That's all we get that Ezekiel spoke. He never actually repeats God's words here. Ezekiel was simply an obedient vessel and nothing more. And this is our calling too. This is exactly what our calling is. Jesus said in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore I give it to you. That's not what he said. He said, go. The authority is in Jesus. And we are given this command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. His authority superintends our teaching of his words. And isn't that a great stress reliever? I mean, there is no burden on us to reinvent the wheel or come up with new stuff. God gives us the license to copy-paste. I hated that when I was in school. Don't copy and paste. Why not? They said it better than I will. And that's what God says to do. Copy and paste. That's what you do. When you go out and evangelize and witness and preach, copy and paste. It's like permission to plagiarize, except we give the credit. Copy and paste. Because the power is in the word of God. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Let that be our heartbeat. God raises the dead by the power of his word. And let's copy and paste. That's, that's my high horse for the morning. <laughs> now, if you aren't convinced of this recreation here yet, and you're like, I'm still skeptical, that's okay. Ezekiel's prophetic vision continues. Four more verses. Now, in verses 11 to 14, we kind of meet some interpretive difficulty thanks to the apocalyptic nature of this vision. It almost seems like the recreation was over in verse 10, like they were alive, it was a good army, we had stuff going on, and now we're doing it again? Like, what happened, God? Did it, did it not take? Like, not work? What's going on? And that is because verses 11 to 14 are an important recapitulation of verses 1 to 10 with one very important detail we need to understand. And that is God raises the dead by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, first, we need to understand who this applies to. This is the whole 
house of Israel, he says. Then he said to me in verse 11, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Now I don't have time to go into this all, but this is God's covenant community. These are God's people. And we have entered into that covenant community by faith. But what do they say? What do they say? Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Now here, they make explicit what I said earlier. Hey, 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 God. I thought we were cool. There was supposed to be a man on David's throne. You use the word forever. We don't have Jerusalem anymore. What hope do we have? You've cut us off. We're we're cut off from you. We're cut off from the land. We're cut off from each other. What's going on? This is what's going on. Verse 12 and 13. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Your hope is lost, is what he's saying. But I will do the impossible. You think it's over, but I will raise the dead. And then he gives us how. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. And I will do it, declares the Lord. Now, remember back in the original creation, first two verses of the Bible? It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That is because God, the Holy Spirit, was an active agent in the original creation. And now he will be an active agent in recreation. God's Spirit will bring you to life. And this was actually one of the great things Calvin is credited to recovering in the Reformation. Did you know that of all the things Calvin was credited with for the Reformation, it wasn't predestination, election. It was the recovery of regeneration brought about by the Holy Spirit. And that is what he is talking about here. You are dead, and now I will make you alive by the power of my Spirit. As he was integral in first creation, now he will be in recreation. That should cause us pause for a second. You see, because 
as we talk about creation, we should gently and humbly have thanksgiving, but also a moment to go, like, is it going to turn out the same way? Are, Are we just headed back the same way? That's why the Spirit will be put within us. Because God will not fail to bring us into life. It is against his nature to fail in any way. These dead bones will live and see their destination because the Spirit of God is in them. There is no way for sin and death to corrupt this creation. Listen to what Romans 8, verse 2, 19 to 14 says about the Spirit being a part of new creation life. It's what Paul says. For the law of of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And then verse 9, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, If in fact God's Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Death does not defy God. So is there any chance that recreation will fail? Not a one. Because God raises the dead by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to draw this sermon to a close by reflecting upon some strange things in the New Testament. And I believe without Ezekiel 37, they they really don't make much sense. But I want to read a few of them for us to ponder and meditate and hopefully grasp More of the world-altering gravity that Christ's resurrection is. John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Again, Matthew 27, 51 to 53. And behold, after Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. weird 
John chapter 20, verses 21 to 22. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Son of man, can these bones live? O Lord, you know. The New Testament unfolds Ezekiel's prophetic vision with ease because this was the plan from the beginning. Thankfully, Ezekiel tells us why. And that is because God raises the dead so we know he alone is the Lord and that his glory may resound throughout the nations. We serve a glorious, good God. Let's pray.